Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Uh, looks like it's going to be another awesome day. I mean, this weather, we couldn't ask for better weather on the weekends, right? Um, about 80 Kind of overcast a little, which is not a big deal. Not too windy. Going to get that way, though. So need to prepare for that. But this is a gardening day. Another beautiful gardening day. Um, yesterday, we were talking about tomatoes. And someone commented that they had seen a weather report saying that they would get into the 40s this coming Sunday. Now, I can't find a 10-day outlook, and I don't have a lot the most faith in a 7-day outlook. But in the 7-day, it shows that next Saturday morning would be 49. So if you're in an outlying area, you may want to be able to cover up tomatoes if necessary. It's not a guarantee of what the temperature is going to be. By the time it gets here, it could be much warmer. But who knows? Are, are, we, going to, are we going to hold these temperatures or is there a possibility that it's going to get cold? And that's okay, you know, uh, getting, getting a little cold is not a problem if you prepare for it. And your tomatoes, remember, you want to shoot for temps above about 45 degrees. That will reduce the risk of stunting their growth or their production. So that that's what we're going to hope for, that we're going to have a nice week of good weather to see what's coming up, okay? To get those plants out there and in the ground. Looking forward, looking forward to those tomatoes. Hope the weather finally turns into trustworthy so that I don't have to worry about stunted tomatoes. Let's go to the phone. This is uh, David. David, what can I help you with? Good morning, Jeff. Um, I have a Texas red oak that is uh, starting to encroach on the our sidewalk, a couple of uh, small lower limbs it's the tree's only about oh five six years old is it too late for me to prune uh, those little small limbs there at the bottom probably not if they if they're going to a sidewalk that's somewhat of a safety problem i know it's not a real big deal but you could trim them just follow the rules clean tools clean cuts, and if you're cutting anything off that is, say, an inch in diameter or bigger, 
hit it with some paint the minute you're done. Other than that, no, you should be you should be able to manage it. Um, I know the rules are don't prune your oaks July, uh, after Jan- January 31st. Well, I'm sorry. I couldn't accommodate the calendar this year. So I think you'll be fine. Thank you, Jeff. You bet. Thank you for the call, David. Yeah, folks, we we have to accommodate nature as best we can. So you need to be not so written in stone on some of these rules. They're guidelines, all right? They're they're guidelines, not hard not hard set rules. Let's go to the phone. This is Muro. Good morning, Jeff. How are you doing today? Oh, lovely day so far. Um, I have I currently have due to some septic issues. Can you hear me, Jeff? Yes. I can. Okay, I'm having a hard time hearing you. Okay, I'm due to some septic issues. I currently have about a thousand square feet of sandy loam in my front yard, and it's pretty hard and it's pretty thick, about three inches or so. And I'd like to, I'd like to know how I can. I'd like to plant some uh, or, or seed some Bermuda grass in that area, and uh, I wonder if you could help me figure out what to how to do that. Or what I need to do. Uh, you're uh, well. The weather is warming up, so that's helpful. You're a little bit early. Bermuda wants a soil temperature above about sixty degrees to germinate really well. So what you can do is over that area, you can uh, put a layer of compost any kind of compost, and you want about a quarter to half inch thick. Okay, half inch? Tops, yeah. Okay. Take a rake and rake it into what you have now. You want to spread it real evenly, right? Right. You want to break the soil just enough. And then as we warm up a little more, when that soil temperature gets to be about 60 you can spread your uh, Bermuda seed then. So, You're going to have to keep it watered if we're not raining. Does it make any difference how thick? Because that, that sandy loam is pretty thick, Jeff. Does it make any difference how thick? I guess what I'm alluding to is should I make, maybe take some of that sandy loam off or not? You can leave it. Okay. Um, that makes it easier. If you're adding, if you're add, Yeah. If you're adding compost to it, and you drag a rake through it, you know, just break up the surface a little bit. Bermuda roots will have no problem getting through that. So just kind of air, kind of aerate, if you will, that sandy loam? Yeah, good, a good, good set of words there for it. You don't need the actual machine, but a rake would be enough to do it. Also, take advantage of the fact that as you're doing this, it's an opportunity to really level out 
the area so that you've got exactly. a really exactly. good place to get it down there. So a um, little compost down there, do the raking to level everything out. And I think you're a little bit early with the Bermuda seed. Um, maybe next weekend you could think about uh, putting the seed down. Um you're going to have to, if you start watering, you want to keep it moist. Yeah, I you know. You don't have to keep I, it a swamp, but just keep it like misty. Yeah, that's the biggest issue because of the watering wet. restrictions. Yeah. But but anyway, yeah. another question. So I can put the compost down now and then put the seed down later? Yep. Okay. Um, great. Good. I, I I thought I was I thought I was out of luck, but uh, it looks like thanks thanks you've uh, you've kind of made me feel a lot better about that because yeah that sandy loam is it's pretty it, it seems like it's more clay than sand it's pretty hard uh, yeah the compost will help loosen it and the Bermuda will definitely the roots will definitely break it up okay great Jeff thanks a lot for the information I appreciate it and I really like your show thanks for the call. Um, folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> Looks like a lovely day today. Um, you know, there's an advantage when the temperatures are nice, but we're overcast a little bit. Let's say I'm going to, I went to the nursery and I got a whole bunch of transplants, bunch of four inch flowers, veggies, whatever. And I bring them home and I go to plant them. If it's going to be a super sunny day, that's a lot of stress on a newly transplanted plant. Now they can usually handle it. You know, you may have to, maybe a little seaweed solution, a little extra water. Plants will be okay, but there's an advantage when it's overcast, the plants aren't gonna suffer the sun stress. And that means when I put them in, they're going to get a jump on getting new roots growing rather than going, hey, man, it's hot out here. Because the plants are not directly only factor being the temperature. The intensity of the sun can really make a difference in how the plants handle stress. So today's a good day to move things whether it's a transplant, whether you're digging something up on your property and putting it somewhere else, or, you know, you got new plants to put in, not a bad day for it. Really not a bad day for it. You know, <clears throat> spread sulfur yesterday. Got out my drop spreader, filled it with this, the sulfur pellets. Uh, this was a different kind of sulfur. It was still sulfur, but instead of being these little yellow flakes, it was these 
gray prills. They were little pellets. But it didn't matter. I got it spread over the area I wanted to protect to try to get the chiggers out. And it didn't have a strong scent to me. And that's even better because it still will repel the chiggers. Got it all, took, took some effort, got it all spread out where it needed to go. And I'm getting ahead of the game. We don't have chiggers yet, but that yet simply means they're coming. They will be here. And everyone who has ever been exposed to a chigger, <clears throat> well, they know what it is and they hate it. It, it bites and then it is like later, not the same moment, but it can be days later before you can react to it. And it itches. Golly, it itches. So don't let it get away from you. Don't wait until you got that first scratch before you decide to take care of the problem. Let's go to the phone. This is Janice. Janice, what can I help you with? Yes, I'm getting ready to put a rose bush down in my front yard, and I was wondering if the deer eat the rose bush leaves. Yes, they do. Yeah, sorry. Deer will eat just about anything if they're hungry, even stuff they don't like. I mean, <clears throat> you can find pictures of deer with cactus spines in their lips. But there are ways to protect your rose to get it a start. There are some simple uh, deer repellents. There's um, one called Scram. There's a liquid fence. And you can put these around your rose that will get the deer to go somewhere else. So your rose has a good chance of getting started. But if you have a lot of deer, well, really, if you have any deer, you need to prepare for them when you put that plant in the ground. Uh, liquid fence, a little goes a very long way. And scram, uh, same thing. And they will help repel the deer for months. Just remember something. They are not permanent. So if you use them, you may have to refresh them every once in a while, anywhere from every two weeks to once a month to keep the deer away from your roses. So you just spray the whole bush? You can do that, yes. Now, the scram is a like a powder, oh. and you would sprinkle that around the plant very close to it but the liquid fence is yes just a spray and does not harm the rose okay the only thing i found that they did not like was the dusty miller and the dianthus they leave those alone for some reason 
That is true. They also are not fans of rosemary. Um, let's see. There are other plants that are like, they're less likely to damage. But if you uh, take the chance, you've got to suffer the consequences. So, yes, I know. I put, um, oh, what did I put? I put pittosporum out there last year. I put six bushes out there and they ate the whole bush. Yep. All the bushes. Yep. And, and you know what? They no. had ex- absolutely no remorse. <laughs> they were just Yeah, like, they oh, leave oh, their oh, deposits oh. in my yard as soon as they eat the, <laughs> the leaves. Yep. 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 So if you get your deer repellent and have it available, when you put the plant in the ground, you're going to start off so much further ahead at defeating the deer. Okay, and this is all year long, or do is it a certain time when they eat, like during the drought, or um, all year long? I, yeah, I don't have deer where I live. Uh, I have other critters that are, cause me consternation. Yeah, I have those too. <laughs> but yeah, but if you have deer, they're generally not like migrating and leaving. They're going to eat whenever they can eat. So, yeah, you're probably going to have to battle them forever. Okay, the dianthus I talked about, can I put them down now? Yes. It's okay to put them down. Okay. Because I bought sure. a bunch of those because I like flowers. And like I'm saying, they won't eat the flowers even off the bushes. So uh, I'll put those out choice. there. Yes. Um, and and they will – they're Probably looking forward to this kind of temperature. You'll see them take right off. Oh, okay. Okay, what about, I have leafcutter ants in my backyard, and they are destroying everything. My Indian hawthorn, my rose bush back there, they've stripped, and now they're into my trees that are just starting to, to leaf out. They're just stripping the trees. Is there any kind of service I can call to maybe spray my trees to stop them? Nope. Um, I got to quickly explain why there isn't. Leafcutter ants are considered to be, I'm not making this up, are considered to be beneficial because they cut off a chunk of a leaf and they take it down into the ground. They're farmers. They grow a fungus on this leaf and that's their food source. And the leaf breaks down, they got all the ant tunnels, and they provide a benefit to the soil. Are there any controls you can use? There are some ant killer baits you can try. But again, I have been fortunate to not have leaf cutters. So I don't know for sure the effectiveness against leaf cutter ants and some of them can be pretty nasty things oh yeah they bite it's gone excuse me they bite (laughs) yeah they can be quite annoying but they uh there are some controls you just have to take chances with them if you do a a search on leaf cutter baits 
you may get some ideas. Okay. And I would put that where I see the trail, because what they do is they make, like, bunches of yes. leaves that are cut you up in a pile. To, I don't know. No, you read the instructions. Oh, okay. They may tell you to do something specific. Janice, I'm coming to the bottom of the hour. I got a break for the news. Thank you for the call, folks. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590. Morning, gardeners. Welcome back. Um, going to be a nice day, really going to be a nice day. I have a semi-humorous story happened to me yesterday. <clears throat> um, we're out on our back porch doing some gardening work. Um, I'm out there spreading sulfur for chiggers, and my wife is jumping around on the back porch, like trying to get off of it. And I stop. Are you okay? I thought she had hit a wasp nest or something. Nope. I had a uh, rain downspout. Okay. I I got new gutters last year. Never had a problem. And when I stop and ask her if she's okay, all of a sudden I hear this something is crawling around in the gutter. The downspout, not up on top, but in the downspout. <clears throat> and I walk up there with her and I'm like, what's going on? And we go over to the downspout and tap it, thinking that, is there something in there we can flush them out? Oh, did we get yelled at? It was a squirrel had gotten himself into the downspout. And he couldn't crawl back up. He had come in from the top, not from the, the end of the downspout. And, you know, the last thing I want is for a squirrel to die in the rain drain because they'll flood and they'll smell. So uh, we wound up having to take about half of the rain drain apart, the downspout, the, the run out uh, where it runs off. And all we had was the one piece straight up and down still hanging there. We still aren't 100% sure it was a squirrel, although if you've ever had a squirrel get mad at you, you know that they curse you out pretty good. And it's a recognizable sound. We figured out fairly quickly <clears throat> that it was a squirrel, not only by what he was saying to us, which I'm glad I don't speak squirrel. I probably would have been offended. But at the bottom of the spout, about, oh, I don't know, it was probably less than a foot above the ground, all of a sudden this tail pops out. No doubt about it, it was a squirrel tail. I'm like, oh, come on, bud, get out of there. You can just drop to the ground. Nope. 
I don't think squirrels will ever be members of Mensa, okay? Uh, but it, we could touch his tail. We could we could pound on the thing. No, he wasn't moving. He was just going to yell at us. Finally, finally, we're watching him. We're making sure that he could just drop out if he wanted to. And his backside's hanging out. And his rear legs, but he still won't come out. <laughs> Stupid animal. So we put a little rock underneath the drain spout so that he wouldn't have to fall so far to the ground, which wouldn't bother the squirrel at all. But for some reason, it kept him from coming out. And when we went in after we were done and took a break, he finally decided, okay, now I'm going to make a run for it. And he took off like crazy. No more squirrel in the spout. Now I'm going to we put all of the drain plumbing back together. Now I have to go get blocks or restrictors that lets the water drain down the spout, but doesn't let squirrels in <laughs> and where it comes out on the ground i'm obviously going to have to put in some kind of block which they make so that critters can't crawl up into there i gotta tell you squirrels can be cute but they are not the smartest animals on the planet by any means they're somewhat crazy. Now, one of the benefits, though, yesterday is as we're taking stuff apart, we look down and suddenly we have our spiny lizards or alligator lizards back already running around, big ones. For this time of the year, they weren't little babies. They were big lizards. And they were out running around yesterday. Our Martins came by. They have a conversation with us and check out their nesting. And we have bluebirds running around. They're, the color blue in a bluebird is just amazing. Unbelievable color. So even though we had a minor incident of having to rescue a squirrel, it was quite the day. It was such an exposure to, to, to great wildlife, not the smartest wildlife, but great wildlife. And uh, we, we got several things done outside. Kind of got distracted working on getting the squirrel out. So we didn't get everything we planned done. Of course, uh, I think that's pretty much everybody, right? You make a list of what you want to do today and you hope to cross off everything. Well, we did our best. So, oh, also can't believe the luck. This is something that you all should be considering. I happen to have a riding mower. We got a big enough piece of property. I used to do it with a push mower. I am older and wiser now, 
And I hadn't started my mower in months, literally. I don't think I had started it yet this year. So I go out to the mower and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to take the battery out and charge it up. Put the key in, turn the key and it started right up. It was just outstanding day in the garden yesterday um, was was so promising. I did uh, did have a problem and I kind of want to pass this on. We always talk about drilling holes in tree stumps and then packing it full of either fertilizer or Epsom salts or whatever to rot the trunk out as fast as possible. Okay. Don't spend too much time looking up whatever method you're gonna use as to how successful it is. For every person I found that listed use Epsom salts to rot out the trunk, there was somebody saying, oh no, don't do that. Ugh. Opinions are just opinions, and uh, I wasn't ready for the one I was getting. Went to drill the holes, and these trunks at the ground level were rock hard. I couldn't get a drill bit into them to the depth I needed it to go. So, yeah, we're going to hire somebody to come with a grinder and take them out. I have way too many little tree stumps that got to be removed. If you're going to do this and try it, powerful drill, a good sharp drill bit, and a lot of patience. A lot of patience. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a, uh, I need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, everybody. Um, yes, folks, I, I've seen the videos of the squirrels running the obstacle course to get to food. That is a talent of the squirrels, but apparently they can't get out of a hole. <laughs> no matter what we did to open it up, no matter, walked away, put down things to help them get down, et cetera, et cetera. Squirrel couldn't figure it out. And his backside was already hanging out of the downspout. So I guess it depends. I, I guess it depends on what they're stuck in doing. Um, and you know, squirrels must have some memory issues because how many, how many nuts do they plant and forget where they put them? We wouldn't, you know, between the squirrels and the Blue Jays, that's how we get most of our oak trees planted. 
I guess you just got to take a different approach to it. Let's go to the phone. This is uh, this is Dennis. Dennis, what can I help you with? Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I was parking right at the end of the last segment when you were talking about drilling the holes to, I guess, basically uh, decompose a stump. But I missed the yes. part that said, after you drill the holes, pour this into the holes. What What are you ah. recommending? Okay. Well, um, there are gen. There are about two schools of thoughts here. One is to pack the holes full of a high nitrogen fertilizer, something like, you know, cottonseed meal. You can pack it full of a granular high nitrogen, uh, something like that. Pack it in there, soak it. What will happen is that will feed the biology that eats tree stumps, basically fungal. And it will cause them to break down much faster. The other school of thought, which I was going to attempt, was you pack it with Epsom salt. The salt will help withdraw all the water from the trunk, which will cause it to break down much faster. I you know, and it didn't matter where I looked. I would find somebody, a very a reputable landscaper or a university, and they'd be like, yeah, Epsom salts is the way to go. Then I would find another university, another landscaper, another service crew, uh, a, a barbarist who would say, oh, no, don't do that. So I'm not so sure about the Epsom salt. It's inexpensive, and it's relatively non-toxic. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if the Epsom salt, that's what I was going to try. I just had a really hard time trying to drill a large enough and deep enough hole in, in the tree trunk. So I either have to go get new drill bits or sharpen the ones I have. Okay. Um, I've, I've got the drill bits. I've got the drill. That's not the problem. Um, if you had to choose the Epsom salt over the high nitrogen fertilizer, which way would you go? Um, boy, I was going to try the Epsom salts for the first time. I have seen the fertilizer be very effective. I, I know that works. And I was not finding any reference where, hey, don't do that. That's not really true. Everywhere I looked, it was like, no, that is actually going to work for you. The Epsom salt was like a 50-50. Half the places said, oh, yeah, this is fantastic. The other half said, oh, don't do this. So I was just going to test the Epsom salt to see how fast it would break stuff down. I still don't have proof of it, so I would suggest the, the nitrogen fertilizer. Okay. Um, very good. The other, you know, I've, I've thought about the stump grinding approach because uh, I've got a couple stumps mm -hmm. that are big enough, you know, about 18 inches or 16 inches in diameter. Um, but a buddy of mine 
um, said that in the old days, the old school was that you would basically pack charcoal and light charcoal on top of the stump and it would burn down into the root system. And I, maybe it takes months or years, I don't know. But that's how the, uh, I guess, the old school people would do it when they didn't have chemicals. Yeah, I, I've had people call in and suggest that. And what they would do is take a, a metal drum uh, of appropriate diameter and put it down over the stump and then dump the charcoal in on it that was burning, put a lid on it so you don't have... Th the problem with this is you have fire. And you have to be very cautious about fire. I've heard it works really well, relatively fast. But you can have basically a burning log for months. And if we're going through a drought, my neighbors are not going to be particularly happy about me having a roaring fire going in the yard all the time. And I know it wouldn't be a roaring fire. It would just be charcoal breaking down. But that's the risk. I I have heard this. I have had people swear by it, that it works well. I just got an issue with the flame. I mean, with it would be hot enough to exit to start a fire. All right. Okay. Well, well, thank you for the input. And, um, um, I think I'm going to go with the nitrogen attempt. Yeah. Um, and if, and uh, is this something that takes that can take place in a in a season, or does it take multiple years? Um, I have read that you can get it down to six months, meaning you will get enough rot out of the trunk that you'll be able to get in there with like you know a pry bar, a splitter, a fork and start breaking the trunk out of there and cause it to rot much, much faster. You'll leave an ugly hole, but the trunk will be gone. So, okay, well, one last question. You say the high nitrogen content fertilizer, what would you consider to be high, a high nitrogen percentage? Um, anything about seven and above. And I'm and I'm using fertilizers. I'm not using the uh, aluminum sulfate or something like that. I, I'm going to use a commercial fertilizer. Okay. Well, very good. Thank you. I love your show, and uh, we'll be listening for you next weekend. All right. Thanks for the call, Dennis. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. James, I see you there, but I'm up against the news break. I'll catch you on the other side.